0: Chapter 17 of Bill Nye's Funniest Thoughts by Bill Nye. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 17 The Stars. There is much in the great field of astronomy that is discouraging to the savant who hasn't the time nor means to rummage around through the heavens. At times I am almost hopeless and feel like saying to the great yearnful-hungry world—'Grope on forever. Do not ask me for another scientific fact. Find it out yourself. Hunt up your own new-laid planets, and let me have a rest. Never ask me again to sit up all night and take care of a new-born world while you lie in bed and wreck not. I get no salary for examining the trackless void night after night when I ought to be in bed. I sacrifice my health in order that the public may know at once of the presence of a red-hot comet fresh from the factory, and yet what thanks do I get? Is it surprising that every little while I contemplate withdrawing from scientific research to go and skin an eight-mule team down through the dim vistas of relentless years then again you take a certain style of star which you learn from professor simon newcomb is such a distance that it takes fifty thousand years for its light to reach boston now we will suppose that after looking over the large stock of new and second-hand stars and after examining the spring catalogue and price-list I decide that one of the smaller size will do for me, and I buy it. How do I know that it was there when I bought it? Its cold and silent rays may have ceased forty-nine thousand years before I was born, and the intelligence be still on the way. There is too much margin between sale and delivery every now and then another astronomer comes to me and says professor i have discovered another new star and intend to file it found it last night about a mile and a half south of the zenith running loose haven't heard of anybody who has lost a star of the fifteenth magnitude about thirteen hands high with light mane and tail have you now how do i know that he has discovered a brand-new star how can I discover, whether he is or is not, playing an old threadbare star on me for a new one? We are told that there has been no perceptible growth or decay in the star business since man began to roam around through space in his mind and make figures on the barn door with red chalk showing the celestial timetable. No serious accidents have occurred in the starry heavens since I began to observe and study their habits. Not a star has waxed, not a star has waned, to my knowledge. Not a planet has season-cracked or shown any of the injurious effects of our rigorous climate. Not a star has ripened prematurely or fallen off the trees. The varnish on the very oldest stars I find on close and critical examination to be in splendid condition. They will all no doubt wear as long as we need them and—wink on—long after we have ceased to wink back." In 1866 there appeared, suddenly, in the Northern Crown, a star of about third magnitude and worth at least two hundred and fifty dollars. It was generally conceded by astronomers that this was a brand-new star that had never been used. But upon consulting Agrilander's star catalog and price list, it was found that this was not a new star at all, but an old, faded star of the ninth magnitude, with the front breaths turned wrong, side out and trimmed with moonlight along the seams. After a few days of phenomenal brightness, it gently ceased to draw a salary as a star of the third magnitude, and walked home with an Uncle Tom's Cabin Company it is such things as this that make the life of the astronomer one of constant and discouraging toil i have long contemplated as i say the advisability of retiring from this field of science and allowing others to light the northern lights skim the milky way and do other celestial chores i would do it myself cheerfully if my health would permit but for years i have realized and so has my wife that my duties as an astronomer kept me up too much at night. And my wife is certainly right about it when she says, if I insist on scanning the heavens night after night, coming home late with the cork out of my telescope, and my eyes red and swollen with these exhausting night vigils, I will be cut down in my prime. So I am liable to abandon the great labor to which I had intended to devote my life, my dazzling genius, and my princely income. I hope that other savants will spare me the pain of another refusal, for my mind is fully made up, that unless another skimmist is at once secured, the Milky Way will henceforth remain unscum. End of chapter 17